We turn now to the war in Ukraine, and we bring in our great friend and mentor, General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman, Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, and presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. Uh, General Keane, welcome back, sir. It's delighted to be here, Larry, as always, with you and your audience. Thank you. I want to get to the Donbass battle and the issue of weapons, but I just want to ask you, there's two things in the news this morning. One of them is uh, the new sick man of Europe. People, There's a picture of Putin. He looks like hell. He's bloated, stiff. Uh, I've heard these, see, I've seen these rumors before, and I just wondered uh, what, what you think of it. Well, I, I don't really know. Um, I kind of try to take Putin now at face value mm. because I think multiple presidents going all the way back to President Bush to some degree have always discounted Putin in terms of the seriousness of what he was about. Remember in 2007 at the Munich Security Conference, it's when he came in there and really set a stage saying that he completely disagreed with NATO expansion and all the former Soviet republics, you know, being a part of NATO. And he saw it as a threat that they were expanding uh, and putting weapons on, you know, Russia's border. And then in 2008, uh, President Bush invited uh, Georgia and Ukraine to join NATO and um, Putin invaded Georgia. And I think uh, he has been on this path to prevent NATO expansion and to return to a Russian empire. Mm. And I think as long as Putin is in power, Larry, we got to we have got to take him at face value that his negative aggression to accomplish that is real and he will continue to persist in moving in that direction. And, and I think uh, that is what I have learned from this uh, in Ukraine. And, and we should have been arming and upgunning Ukraine uh, much more significantly than what we were doing. We're doing an emergency resupply now. This, is, this should have been pre-planned and scheduled so it could have been an, an absolute deterrence against Putin. At the very beginning. So I, at the yeah. very beginning. When, yeah, absolutely. When we saw the troops coming, uh, it's a, you know always a, a dollar short and a day late. Yeah, that was March actually of it was sixty days into the Biden administration, and and we did nothing. As a matter of fact, the Biden administration delayed the the shipment that was planned that very month. And it was planned by the previous Trump administration, so it was on the schedule for shipment. Mm. And given the troops showed up, the Biden administration did not send it. They delayed it to the summer. The reason stated, they did not want to provoke Putin into invading. Mm. Mm. And we've been underestimating him in terms of what his real objectives are. Um, so I know there's rumors that about his health, is. Rumors about his isolation. I'm just taking it at face value in terms of what his intent is and what he's really doing to accomplish that intent and, and, and deal with the, the facts that we know. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure you're right. I mean, it's uh, these health issues crop up, but he is who he is, and he's doing what he's doing, and we just have to deal with that. There's no excuse or false hopes. And anyway, who knows who might take over after him? I mean, I'm not smart enough to know. Probably not going to change the strategy. Who knows? So let's go on now to the Donbass War. Uh, one question I have, sir, is I know, and you said this on our uh, Fox Business show, that a lot of new equipment is coming in. You like it. They're adding to it. The Biden administration is adding to it. Uh, I want to ask you, though, on the air power side, I mean, the troops and the tanks, they've gotten more equipment the Ukrainians, that is, do they have the necessary air power should, or should we be doing more? I mean, the, uh, General King, the MiGs haven't been delivered. The S-300s have not really been delivered. Uh, aren't they going to need strong air power? What's your outlook on that? Yeah, I, you know, I pursued this myself because I was frustrated that the MiGs didn't go. And so I, I, I discussed it with uh, people in the Pentagon and, and I, I have some confidence now. I mean, what, what's going on here is the Pentagon doesn't want to talk too much about this uh, because they don't want to denigrate the Ukrainian air power capability. But I was told by someone who really is in the know, and, and he said, look, General, the, uh, while the Ukrainian Air Force still has some MiGs flying, he said they really haven't been effective uh, and and they're not going to aid consequentially in the fight for the Donbass. He said, so that's just the reality of what we're dealing with here. And he said, that is why we're pumping in as many drones as we possibly can mm. you know, to uh, to compensate for that reality. So I, I, I'll, I'll take that at face value. Um, you know, I've been critical. I, I thought we should have got it in there. Um but that's kind of where they are now. Obviously, we don't have those those MIGs. They would have to come from another country. Um, but this fight, it, it, you're putting your finger on something that's very important. It's very hard to win a high-end conventional combined arms fight uh, without having some degree of at least local air superiority while that fight is going on. And the Russians have that on their side. And that's challenging. Um, all and the, the strength of this in, uh, of this fight for the Russians is, in terms of their army, is their artillery. They have lots of it. Hmm. Their their infantry and their armor ground forces are very limited, as we have seen in their campaign in the north around Kiev and Kharkiv as well. And that's why they've made very little progress. The concern I have, Larry, is this artillery. There's a lot of it. And they are pounding the Ukraine positions. And so our audience understands that the Battle of Kiev, the, uh, the fight really took place in the suburbs and the small towns north of Kiev on the east and the west. And the Ukrainians were able to use the cover and the concealment of the buildings in those areas to uh, to literally sneak up on the on the Russian columns and and take out hundreds of their vehicles at night as well as during the day, and the Russians were incompetent. They weren't protecting it by putting their infantry out to clear all of those buildings before they would come through. 
but they were they were pulling their artillery behind them to get the artillery so they could get it and surround the city and then pound the city. They were never able to get that artillery in play, and that is why they eventually left. Their artillery in the Donbass region is absolutely in play, and the positions, because they're in open terrain, Larry, are more uh, static. They're fortified positions, yet there's no natural cover and concealment in the area because the terrain is open and flat. Not all of it, but most of it. And therefore, they're, they're digging trenches and fortifications. Hmm. Well, those are easy to find. You can find that by satellite. The Russians can find it by drones. And, and then they pound those positions with a degree of accuracy. My concern is that they have so much artillery that they'll just grind down the Ukrainian defenses where this incompetent infantry and armor formations will eventually be able to penetrate. That brings in two things that the administration has given them. One, drones that can take out that artillery, and two, artillery that can take out artillery. And they need to have the counter-battery radar, which we gave them, and hopefully we're giving them more of it. This is going to be a tough fight, and certainly on paper, the the Russians have the advantage Mm. because they got air power, they got a lot of artillery, and they got sufficient ground forces. In reality, you cannot underestimate the Ukrainians, and they have an opportunity to win this fight, Larry. They absolutely do. Can we, General? I want to pursue that um, because you. I got to take quick breaks, sir, and come back on the other side of the break. I just want to say. I believe you were on my show Thursday. I think it was Thursday. It could have been Wednesday. And you said the most wonderful thing about this. We were talking about Mariupol. And, of course, the Russians uh, are taking it, I guess, overcoming it. But you said that any Ukrainian defeat will be temporary and that they will be back, the Ukrainians will be back, and that the Russians may hold the city, but they're not going to be able to keep the city. And I repeated that on the air, sir, after you left, because I thought that was the most remarkable analysis and and a little hope of optimism there. Let me take a quick break, folks. We are talking to the great General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, Institute for the Study of War, and, of course, uh, Fox uh, analyst. Sir, we'll be right back. Give me two minutes. I'm Kudlow, folks. Stay with us. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here with General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. General Keane, I just want to go back. I, I think it was Wednesday night. I'm not sure. You came on the show, and we got to talking about Mariupol, Russians taking it over, and you just made the most wonderful statement. And because it came from you... With all of your experience and credibility, I mean, you have the most extraordinary following, frankly. You said, okay, the Russians are going to take Mariupol, but they won't be able to keep it, and that the Ukrainians will be back to take it back. And um, that kind of optimism, I mean, I, I repeated it later in the show, and I closed the show with that thought. And I just wish, if you would, sir, um, Expand a little bit on that point. Sure. Well, the Russians certainly focused on Mariupol quite a bit because it's a seaport and it's in, in southern Ukraine. 
and they've always desired going all the way back to 2014 when they invaded eastern Ukraine. They really wanted to take the entire Donbass region to include Mariupol. They only were able to take one third of it. And that was when the Ukrainian military was nowhere near what it is today. But there were also uh, thousands of volunteer partisans who organized themselves into military organizations. They were not in the military. They were civilians. Mm -hmm. And they actually played a role. So here we are now. They, they de facto, they've taken the city. There's, there's people who are, who are, you know, in the tunnels of the of the steel mill, and they're starving them out. Mm. And hopefully, uh, some kind of humanitarian effort can be made here, at, at least to get the civilians out. I don't think the Russians uh, will tolerate uh, uh, getting the military out. But de facto, they. They have the city. They're advertising that in, in Russia. Uh, technically, they don't. But here's what I think will happen. They have to occupy the city. And most of the battalions that uh, that have been in that fight with the Ukrainians are, are are severely damaged, so much so that they likely will not be able to get into the Donbass fight. But nonetheless, they'll have to put an occupation force in the city. And they'll also put a government in charge of it. But over time the Ukrainians will organize themselves into resistance organizations and they will fight to take that city back slowly, but surely. Mm. Uh, and we refer to that as an insurgency. They will organize themselves into insurgent groups, uh, not as an army. Uh, and they will gradually attract the soldiers who are occupying the city. Mm. And in time, I'm convinced that, the Russians will leave because the casualties will just keep coming and coming and it'll be a wear and tear on the Russian people and what is happening at home. And this is what happened in Afghanistan to them. And uh, certainly uh, for eight or nine years, it was the people that forced uh, the uh, Russian leaders' hands at the time. The Ukrainians will fight as long as it takes to get Russians off their territory. Mm. But, not months, but years, they will be in the fight. And any, and certainly no one can underestimate their determination after what we've seen for the last two months. Because they're brave, because they're courageous, because they want to keep their country. And they want to keep the way of life in their country, which isn't perfect, but it's a lot freer than anything Russia's going to have. No, absolutely. Now, I was in Ukraine twice uh, just prior to covid and uh, I, I, these are very hardy people. Mm. They enjoy life. They're, they got a strong work ethic. And they look to the values of the West. They Obviously, they're, they're physically and geographically and historically connected to Russia. But that's not what they want. They want the West. They want the prosperity of the West and the value system of the West. That's what they're looking for. And I'll tell you why. All you have to do is mention Russia or Russians, and you get a you get quite a reaction from the Ukrainians over that. So they this is deep seated with them, and they 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 are not going to give up the fight for the territory that the Russians may claim. They'll they'll continue to fight to take that territory back, and they eventually will take it back. I'm convinced of it. Mm. And General, in our last minute, sir, the same citizen militias. You know, with, with the same loyalty to the Ukraine homeland, will they strike back in Donbass? 
Well, in the Donbass region, what's fight, what's really fighting in the region is the is is the army is in the fight, mm. and civilians are certainly uh, helping them. But it's the it's the their army. It's organized as a combined arms army. They've got armor formations. They got infantry. Got artillery. They have all the high end conventional. That is really what's bearing the brunt of, mm. of this fight. If the Donbass region is completely taken over. There are areas in the Donbass region where there are pro-Russian separatists, mm. uh, but most of the region is not. And they would certainly resist any territorial control uh, if, if that's what's going to happen. My one concern, Larry, real quick, is is that I, when I look at the Europeans in the United States, we're still not on the same page seeking victory and drive the Russians right. out. Boris, John, Boris Johnson wants that. But where is Germany and France? They're the other two leaders. And really what they're what they're pushing towards, what Macron is pushing towards and what Schultz is pushing towards in Germany is they they want a peace settlement. Mm. Well, the peace settlement, the pressure on the peace settlement, the peace settlement at whose expense? That'll be absolutely at the Ukraine's expense. The Russians will have more territory than what they had prior to February 24th. And that is okay with those Europeans. Mm. Well, that's not okay with the Ukrainians. And that's the position I really believe the Biden administration has had for a number of weeks. Well, the president said, I I don't mean to interrupt, sir, you know that, but the president said that the Russians will never succeed in dominating and occupying all of the Ukraine. I mean, that goes back, remember the incursion statement and all that? He still has not committed to a Ukrainian victory in the Ukrainian homeland. No, there's no doubt about that. And and I'll tell you, if if the ceasefire is called after the Russians take, if they're able to take more territory and they're looking to make a deal and solidify that, the pressure from France and Germany and the United States will be on Zelensky, I think, to take the deal. Mm. Because I think that's that has been what they their goal this entire time. Mm. And that's that. That is a terrible decision. Yes, sir. We need to help the Ukrainians win. Yes, sir. General Jack Keane, thank you, sir. God bless you, sir. Terrific stuff. We'll talk this week on the Kudlow Show on Fox Business.